Good morning. Jesus loves me, this I know. Y'all know that song, yeah? Let's open our Bibles, John chapter 11, shall we? I was thinking about this. Uh, Jesus, uh, well, John the, John the Apostle called himself the, the disciple whom Jesus loved. And uh, so, so John is the beloved uh, disciple. And honestly, when I think about it, I don't think he was saying that because he was boasting, like some people would say. I think it's because he just knew that Jesus loved him. And he was like amazed by it. And if you look at the Gospel of John, you think about it, if there's one Gospel that, that talks about love, it's the Gospel of John. And John wrote about it in his, in his epistles as well. The, so I would call him, certainly call him the, this the gospel of love. And then we have uh, Paul the Apostle, who, is, uh, who wrote the chapter of love. What chapter is that? 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter that people call that, the love chapter. So in, the, in this chapter, this whole theme of the love of Jesus is just kind of, you know, jumping out, I think, and... And it really kind of comes, it, it, it comes in so many other places as well, of course. Uh, uh, John chapter 13, when Jesus washes the disciples' feet, it says he showed them his love in, at that point in time. But here in chapter 11 now, he says, it says there that, that John tells us that, it's hard to read that, isn't it? Who picked that? Anyways, it says, Lord, the one you love is sick. And, and you know, we talked about the fact that, that Jesus loved people. And he loved this guy, Lazarus. But yet, Lazarus was sick. And, and, and you know, Jesus loves you and I no matter what happens. No matter what happens in this life, sick or well or, you know, on top uh, of the world or, you know, being crushed down by the world. The Lord loves you. He loves me. He loves us. And nothing can separate us from him. We looked at that in uh, Romans chapter 8, where it talks about the fact that nothing can separate us. I want to look at a couple passages today. Uh, first one, I want you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3. And <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 3, written by who? <clears throat> who wrote the book of Ephesians? Paul the Apostle wrote the book of Ephesians. And Paul... You know, Paul was, uh, he was incredible. I and mean, when you think about this, he was like, this guy knew. And he was trained, you know, in the theology, sat at the feet of Gamaliel, it says. And he was trained, he just was, this guy had such a grasp on things. And yet, he was so changed by the love of Jesus. He was radically transformed by the love of Jesus. And as John was, as we're going to see in the, in the rest of the chapter here, uh, other disciples are changed by the love of Jesus. But Paul the Apostle writes these things. If you jump down to verse 16, Paul, Paul prays, and we, and we find in a, in a bunch of his letters, different prayers. He writes down what his prayer was, which is kind of cool. But he says here in verse 16, Ephesians chapter 3, I pray that out of his glorious riches... He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. 
And I pray that you, here he begins to talk about love now, being rooted and established in love, rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. But not, he doesn't stop there, not just to, to know about how the dimensions of this incredible love, but verse 19 says, he, he says, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God, to know this love, to, to know how immense it is. It's in, just incredibly immense. I've been looking at these verses just for myself, and just the immensity of the love of Jesus is just, it's mind-boggling. And then he says there that it's beyond knowledge, to know something that surpasses knowledge. Why does he say that? He doesn't say it because we can't know it. He says we can't know it completely for sure. And I think it's eternal. And so, uh, you know, some of the, the folks I've, you know, was reading that wrote about this, you know, this is an eternal love that, it, that, that we're going to study and get to know and know more and more throughout all of eternity. That Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Back in John 11, Jesus loved Lazarus, yet he was sick. And his love doesn't always stop things from happening in our lives. We think it, oh, Lord, you must be mad at me. You don't love me anymore. We, we treat each other like that, you know. Somebody does something or some, something happens and you, you find someone to blame. You know, you don't really love me because you, you wouldn't let that happen. But God had a plan, and God was going to work in Lazarus' life to show his glory and to glorify his son Jesus. Lazarus was dead, right? He was definitely dead. That's what Jesus told his disciples. Listen, no, he's not just asleep, he's dead. And, and for you and I, when we think about someone dead, it's like the end, that's it, fini, done, right? But death is not the end. And Jesus makes that so very clear. And it's, it's somehow, it's all wrapped up in his love for you and for me. Let's look at, at uh, back to John chapter 11 and verse 5. Now we can actually read that. It says that Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. He, he loved each one. He loved each one. Each one differently. They were each one different, right? And I think he loved each one differently. And, and kind of the way I'm going to look at the rest of this section, or these three sections, really, first he, first he deals with Martha. And then he deals with Mary. And then he deals with Lazarus. So I'm going to look at one of those each week. Now, Lazarus you know, and, and how Jesus deals with us depends on who we are, Amen. what you're like. Lazarus, he kind of like, I don't, you know, we don't really know a lot about his personality. We, we're going to read about the other two. We don't know a lot about his personality, but, but he had to get, he had to get like serious with Lazarus to deal with him. He had to like pull him up out of the grave. Like, we'll get to that in a couple of weeks. I want you to turn back with me you know, right now to, to look at these two sisters, Luke chapter 10. So 
from John 11, just back one book to the Gospel of Luke chapter 10. And this is the only other information we really have about, about these two sisters, at least about their personality. We're going to read more about Mary in chapter 12. But uh, Luke chapter 10 and verse 38 through 42, it says, As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, uh, he came to a, vill- a village where a man... <laughs> Let me start over, okay? As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her, t- her home to him. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. So we have these two sisters, very different. Martha was very, you know, hospitable, come on in, you know. She opened uh, her home to Jesus and the disciples. They were all traveling. Mary now, Jesus comes in, Mary's sitting at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. Verse 40, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And she came to him, that is to Jesus, and she asked, Lord, don't you care? Don't you care that my sisters left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. <laughs> Are any of you like that? Or do you know someone like that? Very different personality, right, from, from her sister. Jesus answers in verse 41, Martha. I don't know if you can get the inflection in his voice because he says her name twice. Martha. Martha. (laughs) The Lord answered, You are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed or necessary. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Two very different personalities. Now, is he saying that Martha was a bad person? No, she was just different. She got a little, you know, bent out of shape. She got a little upset, and and we all kind of do that like from time to time. But Jesus is patient with us. He's patient with them. But I think if we keep this kind of picture, these two, one very busy one very active, one, you know, practical. We got to get the table set. We got to, you know, have the food ready. We, let's all get this together. And Martha's just sitting there listening to Jesus. She's just blown away by Jesus' words. And Martha's going, Mary, you know, you're supposed to be helping here. And then she doesn't just tell Mary. I think she probably did tell Mary. And Mary didn't do anything. So she goes right to Jesus and tells Jesus, Can't you see what she's doing? Thinking Jesus was going to say, yeah, Mary, get up. Get busy. No, he doesn't say that at all, does he? We're going to talk about Mary next time. But back in chapter 11 now of the Gospel of John, Martha, Martha, he says. What does he say to her? We're going to find out here. How does he deal with her? How does he deal with each one of us? It's very, very different. Each of us are very different. Can you imagine if we were all the same? If we were all, say, like Jim? Or like, who should I pick on? (laughs) Like Connie? Oh, we could, I wish we were all like Connie. 
Jim? I'm not sure about that. <laughs> but we are all so different, you know. And, and we, you know, we, as we get to know each other, we, we treat each other differently, don't we? We, we interact with each other differently because we know each other. We know what they're like. We know how the other person will respond. Hopefully we're paying attention, especially in relationships. But Jesus, now he's going to deal with this, this sister Martha here first. And, and how does he do it? What does he do? Let's, let's pay attention and see what, what happens here. Verse 17, picking it up where we left off. It said, on his arrival... Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. He gets there, right? Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, at that time, you know, they didn't have funeral homes. They didn't have, you know, at least the Jews didn't embalm people. Uh, so they, they buried people immediately. That's pretty much the way it worked. So uh, I promised you, you know, we'd do a little bit of math here. So, so when Jesus gets there, he's, he's already been dead and he'd been buried for four days. Now, again, this, there's a few different themes going on here. One about death, you know, that is death like the end? Is that it? He's, it's done. It's too late now. Jesus, you're too late. But the timing of this thing, now Jesus was about 20 miles away from Bethany, where Lazarus and Martha and Mary were. And at that time, you know, no cars, no planes, no, no anything. They walked for the most part. And they, it would take about uh, seven to eight hours to walk 20 miles. Now you and I, you know, if someone said you need to walk 20 miles, you, you know, we'd all just like, fall over, you know, but they're used to it, right? And they're used to it, and they would walk about three miles an hour, whatever. And so it would, take, it would take the better part of a day to walk 20 miles. Okay, so, so 20 miles, so, so and, and an interesting thing is that the inns that were, you know, they had inns where people could stay, they were spaced about 20 miles apart is what they, that they found. I don't know who they are, but they found out that. So you've got the messenger, right? He's sent from Mary and Martha to go to Jesus with the, the message, the Lord, Lord, the one you love is sick. And so it takes about a day for the messenger to get to Jesus. Jesus waits how long? Two days. And then Jesus has to walk from where he is to where Lazarus is. That's another day. How many days is that? Four days. Now, I looked at this a few different ways, but this is probably the most uh, reasonable way to look at it. Any way you look at it, it still comes out the same. Same is that most likely Lazarus died just after the messenger actually left. Because a day there, two days, two more days, a, a day back for Jesus to get back. Four days. He's been in the tomb already four days. Now, Jesus knew all about this, right? He knew that he told his disciples, listen, he's dead. He's dead. Look at verse 8. 18, I'm sorry. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary 
to comfort them in the loss of their brother. Now, Jesus would often stay in this town of Bethany because it was so close to Jerusalem. It says, like in Matthew 21, it says he, would, he was there in Jerusalem, and then he would go out of the town, he would stay out, and often he would go to, to Bethany, and probably he would go to the house of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. So he knew, knew where this house was. And he would go there. Now, after Lazarus dies, you know, they, there were many people that would come, also being so close to Jerusalem, many of the Jews from Jerusalem would come out. And so there was just a huge crowd of people there. Why? To comfort Martha and Mary, because they're sad. Somebody died. You know, it's not, you know, it, it's a very sad thing. And the Jewish custom really it was... You know, they had some different things that they did, but, but basically it's the same for us today too, don't we? We, we want to comfort people when, when somebody passes away, when someone dies. They had people there. Some, some uh, said that they would have three days of very heavy mourning and then four days of heavy mourning and then 23 days of lighter mourning. They had like stages they'd go through all this mourning to, to equal like 30 days of mourning. You remember the book of Job when, when all, the, all the bad, bad stuff happened to him and it says, that his, it says that his three friends, they came to comfort him. Now, they didn't do such a good job, a little bit aside, and, and Job says to them, miserable comforters are you three, you guys. You're supposed to be here to comfort me. They didn't do such a good job. Anyways, there's a whole crowd of people there to comfort and and again, people grieve very differently, and it, it depends on the person. It depends on the situation. And, and, but, but we all need comfort, and, and, and God is the God of all comfort. But, but you know what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, that he's the God of all comfort, but Paul says he comforts us so that we can what? Comfort others. And so he often uses people. We see a whole bunch of people there to comfort, but God uses people. That's why, you know, if someone dies and we say, well, you know, I'm not going to bother that person who, you know, is still there. I don't, you know, I don't want to bother them. How do you know that you and I might not be the person that's going to give them some kind of comfort? Some kind of help. Maybe we've lost someone and, 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 and we've received some comfort from the Lord and we can then pass along that comfort to them. God uses people. I think that is an established fact throughout all the Bible. God uses people. And I think God wants to use us. He wants to use you. Verse 20. Now we get to Martha. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. You can see the difference in in personality right there, can't you? One of them, she just jumps up and runs. She's a person of action. She did something. She, you know, type A kind of personality. I got to get, get in there and get something done. I got to do it. Je Jesus, come, I'm going to go. And Mary, she just sits there quietly. She stays where she was. Both grieving, but grieving differently. I think they both had questions. As we'll see. What does Martha say when she gets to Jesus? Verse 21, Lord, she, she's still very respectful. When they, 
When they sent the message, the message to Jesus was, Lord, the one you love is sick. Martha says to Jesus, Lord. But she says this, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. In other words, it's too late now. It's just too late. But is it too late? Is it, too, is it ever too late with Jesus? I don't think so. Now, again, did Jesus raise everybody he ever met from the dead? No, he didn't. And so he always has a plan and a purpose and what he's going to do. But in all the situations of our life, it's, we, we have to be careful to, to not limit him and say, well, it's too late for you this one. I'm not going to even bother you with this, Jesus, because it's just too late. If you had done something sooner, though, now, none of you ever get an attitude like that with Jesus, right? Jesus, if you'd just done something, you know, there's unspoken questions here, aren't there? Why weren't you here? Why did this have to happen? Why? Well, looking back to the timing for a minute, he, he couldn't have gotten there. There's no way he could have gotten there. But... You know, you can take that a little bit further, but if you are Lord Jesus, then, you know, you knew he was going to get sick, or you even, you know, you could have, you know, you could have left where you were like two days before that ever happened and gotten here in plenty of time. But Jesus has a timetable that, that you and I really don't know anything about. And so that, that's why, you know, we have to trust him and, and, and not lean on our own understanding. One of the interesting things that I see when I was looking at this is, is through, this, through this passage, we see kind of a mixture of faith and unbelief. A mixture of faith and unbelief. Now, isn't that like us? Isn't that like you and me? Man, you've got like such faith about this, but, but about something else, you've got like no faith at all. Like you don't even believe at all that it could happen, that it, anything could ever come out good if all things work together for good. We sang about it. But she had faith. She had faith that, that Jesus could have stopped it if he had been there. She, had, she believed that. Jesus, if you'd been here, he wouldn't have died. She had faith that if Jesus physically would have been there, he could have stopped it. Lazarus would not have died. She had that faith. But she also didn't believe. She, believed, she, she didn't believe that, that he could do something from a distance. Did Jesus ever do something from a distance? Yeah. The, the, was it the centurion said, just say the word. You don't even, have, don't even trouble yourself to follow me and come with me. Just say the word and it'll be done. I know what authority is like. And he did, and, and, it, and it turned out that, that the person was healed. She didn't believe that Jesus could do something from a distance. She didn't believe that Jesus could do something now after he'd been dead, after he'd been dead for like four days. She didn't believe he could do it. So she had faith, but she had unbelief as well. And, and you know, that kind of encourages me in a strange sort of way, right? That Jesus is there dealing with this, this woman named Martha, and, and he wants to deal with you and, you and me, even with the, the little bit of faith that we have and the, and, and, and the little bit of unbelief, or maybe it's the other way around, uh, uh, you know, 
a lot of faith and a lot of unbelief, or a little bit of faith and a lot of unbelief, or a lot of faith and a little bit of unbelief. You know what I'm saying. We're kind of like that. We're kind of like that. Someone asked the question, did you ever have this thought that, you know, there are times in your life when, when Jesus could have intervened, but he didn't, and why didn't he? He could have changed things, yet he didn't. Why didn't he? We all have those kinds of questions. Where do we go? We go directly to Jesus with them. Look at verse 22. Martha goes on to say, he said, my, you know, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Even in that statement, there's belief and unbelief. Whatever you ask, I know that you will do. There's a declaration of faith there. But how far did that faith actually go? Did she really believe? Was she, was she actually saying that she believed that Jesus could raise Lazarus from the dead? Did she, did she actually believe that? I don't think so. Why do I say that? Because later, when Jesus said, open the tomb, roll the stone away, what, what happened? Verse 39, Jesus said, take away the stone. But Lord, it's always very respectful. We probably shouldn't say that. But Lord, we should just say yes. Not but or no, Lord. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by, by, the time, by this time there's a bad order for he's been there four days. So she balked at the opening of the tomb. So I don't know that she was really saying back there, yeah, you could, you could just raise her from the dead now if you wanted to. I don't think she really got that. And, and you know what? There's so much that you and I just don't really get. So we've got the faith. Lord, I know that you can just do something. But I don't think she was asking him, to raise Lazarus from the dead. Verse 23, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Jesus says that your brother will rise again. Martha says, she answers, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. I know he's going to rise again. And, and, you know, the Bible talks about that, the, 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 the final resurrection, uh, Daniel chapter 12 Verse 2 says this, Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. There's going to be this resurrection. John chapter 5, we looked at it. Jesus, don't be amazed at this. He says, A time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear His voice and come out. Those who have done good will rise to live. Those who have done evil will rise to be condemned. There's going to be a resurrection. Paul the Apostle talked about it in Acts 24. He said this, and he said this in uh, chapter 24. However, I admit that I worship the God of our fathers as a follower of the way, which they call a sect. Listen to what he says. I believe everything that agrees with the law and that is written in the prophets. So he's going back to the scripture. He says, and I have the same hope in God as this men, as these men, that there will be a resurrection of both the righteous 
and the wicked. There will be a resurrection, and the resurrection is yet to come. And so when Jesus said, your brother's going to rise again, she says, yeah, I know he will. I believe that. I know that that's what the scriptures talk about, the scriptures teach. I know that I believe there's going to be, at one day, at some day, that it's all going to be, it's all going to be good. But Jesus had a plan for now, not just the future. Sometimes we think, you know, again, we, we limit what he wants to do. Well, I know you're going to do something in the end, and all things work together for good. You know, after I die, it's all going to work together for good. Well, what about right now? What about what he wants to do right now? in my life, in your life. She knew and believed about the future, but what about now? Is there something in your life? You know, we often believe that God can do something in the future, but we don't really believe that He can do something now. I don't know. I don't know what kind of situation that that you might be facing right now, but maybe there's something that you just need to to know that God could do something right now, and you you may not even understand what it is. Well, I should say that again. You probably don't, and most likely don't even understand what it is. Because his plans are way beyond our plans. So he says to Martha, she says, yeah, I believe that. Which, which is, is kind of good in a way. Martha, yeah, she's the practical one, the busy one, you know, always you know, doing, doing, doing. But she also had faith too. She also was a woman of faith. You know, we think, well, only the one who sits at the feet of Jesus, you know, the contemplative one, that's the person that has a lot of faith. Well, but she had a lot of faith too. She had faith as well, even though she was a busy kind of person. So to her now, though, Jesus answers in verse 25. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Again, this practical one, this, this one that was, you know, all about getting things done, he stops her and says, wait a minute, okay, Martha, I get it. I understand who you are, but, but you need to stop right here and you need to listen. And he says, I am the resurrection and the life. I mean, those are words, those are kind of words that are so deep that I think we need to, you know, we need to take those words away and say, Lord, and meditate on them when, when he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Where are resurrection and life found? Where do we get hope beyond this life? You know, the, the last enemy, Paul said, is what? Is death. The worst enemy that you and I face. We have lots of enemies, but the very worst is death. And Jesus here, he said, I'm the resurrection and the life. And he goes on to talk about life after death. You see, but he, he makes it very personal. He says, it's not just some doctrine that you have faith in. I believe this doctrine that says, you know, John 3, 16, you know, whoever believes, you know, have everlasting life. Yeah, that's what it says. And we believe in that. But, but Jesus brought it to a whole nother level, didn't he? He says, I am the resurrection and the life. You know, it's not found in just a doctrine. It's, it's found in a, in a person. It's found in this guy, this person, this man. 
this, this one named Jesus. That's why we always got to get back to Jesus. Why? Because he's the one. He's, he, he's the one that, that meets us where we are. He's the one that can do it for us. Anybody remember how many times Jesus used that statement in the Gospel of John? The I am statements in the Gospel of John. Anybody know? Seven, Seven yes. Good job. I want to be like John. He's amazing. Seven, but I will also add there's a bonus one. Okay? But there are seven. Number one found in chapter six, Jesus said he was the bread of life, which came down from heaven. He said, I am the bread of life. In chapter eight, Jesus said, we sang about it today, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. John chapter 10, he says, I am the door or the gate of the sheep. In chapter 10, he also said, I am the good shepherd. Here in chapter 11, we're at number 5, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Chapter 14, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Chapter 15, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. The bonus round is right here. Before Abraham was, he just says, I am which is a direct reference back to the, the verses in Exodus where he, he says, what, you know, who shall, Moses says, who shall I tell them? Sent me. And, and the Lord said, tell them I am has sent you. It's all wrapped up in the person of our great and awesome God. And, and here Jesus says it's wrapped up in himself that he is the resurrection and the life. You know, Mary, you know, she wants practical answers. You know, Jesus, if you had just adjusted your schedule and left sooner and been here, things could have been different. Jesus said, wait, wait a minute, Mary. You think death is bad? You think that, you know, death is the end? You know, death the very worst? Well, basically he's saying, I can handle it. I can handle it all. And I think this, this graphic here, I think, shows us that. He can handle anything in our lives. Anything, no matter what it is that you and I face, he can handle it. He has some way of dealing with it, some way of putting it together, but it's found in himself and in, in who he is. I'm the bread of life. You, you don't know how you're going to survive. You don't know how you're going to pay the bills. You're gonna, how are you going to find bread for the table? Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. I'm going to provide. You're walking through darkness. Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. You don't know how to, to, to get in. He says, I'm the door. If you're like a wandering sheep, he says, I'm the good shepherd. You think death is the very end. He says, I'm the resurrection and the life. says, I am. Look what else he said there, though, in those verses. This would be a little harder to see. It says, he who believes in me will live. Even though he dies. Lazarus had already died. 
But he, he, he's telling Martha here, the practical person, listen, he who believes in me will live even though he dies. In other words, for all of us, this is true, that there's life beyond this life. Life beyond the death that you and I are all going to face, barring the rapture of the church, and he takes us to be with him. That we're going to face death physically, but he says, even though he dies, there's life beyond this life. Now, Lazarus, we know that, that he was going to bring Lazarus right up out of that tomb. That was going to happen now. But it, the second thing he says there, is says, whoever lives and believes in me, what? Will never die. Whoever lives and believes in me, and that includes you and I as believers, we live, we're alive, we believe in him. He says we will never die. Now what is he talking about? Is he talking about our physical bodies? No. We, these bodies are going to die. They're going to kaput. Finished. But our spirits, we're, we're never going to die. That's why the, he talks about it in the Gospel of John. We have eternal life. We have eternal life now. It's not like we're going to die and then eternal life starts. No, we have it now. These bodies will die, but our eternal life, is, it started as soon as we believed in Jesus, and it goes on and it, it continues on. It just, it's just, there's a transition you know, from this world to it being in the very presence of the Almighty God. One of the things, though, I... I have, to, I have to say and, and point out to you those verses I read about resurrection is that the truth is that we're all going to be resurrected, some to eternal life. But Jesus talks about it in Matthew 25, some to eternal punishment. There, there's really only two options. I'm not afraid to talk about uh, you know, the place that the Bible calls hell because it's, a, it's not a place that I would want anyone to go to. And, and in fact, God doesn't want anybody to go there as well. And so he loved us so much that what? He gave his son, he sent his son to the earth to die and take our place, pay our price, take the punishment that we should have, this eternal punishment, and take it upon himself so that we would not have to. Spend eternity separated from him. The believer will never die, but will transition. Look what he says to her. He says, do you believe this? Do you believe this? Now, who is he talking to? Martha. The practical one who, you know, was all about getting stuff done. Busy person. Do you believe this? You know, he says, listen, you you know, okay, you know, that's great and and all that's good, but ultimately gets down to your faith. What do you believe? Do Do you believe this? Yes or no? There's no neutral thing. Do you believe it? Do you believe that I am the resurrection and the life, that I have power over death, that that eternal life is in my hands? Do you believe that? Do you believe that Jesus is the author of life? He's the one that gives us life. Almost done here. One more verse. What does she say? 
Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, she told him. And then she says, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. Did she believe and understand everything that, that he had just said to her? I, I don't know. I don't, maybe not. She's going to. Pretty soon she's going to. But she had some pretty foundational, fundamental things that, that she was holding on to. I believe, she said, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ. In other words, the Messiah. I believe that you are the Son of God. God the Son, there's deity there. And that you are the one who was to come into the world, the one that we've all been waiting for, which is also what, what uh, they were waiting for Messiah, and the Jews are still waiting for Messiah. But Messiah has come, and his name is Jesus. But Lord, I believe. I think sometimes, you know, we have to ask ourselves, well, what do I believe? What do we believe? Do we, do we know that what those fundamentals of the, the, the historic Christian faith are? You can, you, know, you can go to our website. We have a few things on the bulletin, but you can go to the website. We have a, a you know, list of the, the things that we believe, and, and they're very, the very central truths of, the, of the, the Christian faith. That's where she was at. Did she understand everything? No, we don't. We, you know, I think as I was talking about the, the love of Jesus, we're going we're gonna to be getting to know some of these things in eternity, for eternity. Heaven and earth will pass away. What, what did Jesus say? My word will never pass away. We're going to be learning his word into eternity. What does it come down to, even for a person like Martha? Do you believe? What's another word for believe? Trust. Do you trust? Do you trust me? I'm the resurrection and the life. And, and he who believes in me will live even though he dies. Whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Do you trust me? He says, I am. Do you trust me? One last scripture I'll put up on the board says this. John writes, but these, all the things that he's written and the miraculous things that he's written about, these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Isn't that what, what Martha believed? She had been changed. She had been radically transformed by by an encounter with this man, Jesus. Even though she was up busy doing all the stuff and Mary was there sitting at the feet, she still got it. She still grasped it. You are the Messiah. You're the Christ. You're the Son of God. And, and, and you know, her life was changed. She would have life in His name. It's a personal encounter. We, we see that here, a very personal encounter. Next week we're going to see what happens with Jesus and Mary. But today I want to end with this question, what about you? What about me? Have, have we had an encounter, a personal encounter with Jesus Christ? Face to face with him? Oh, maybe not physically, but, but 
person to person? Have you had an encounter with him? And, and if you've been a believer, I don't care if you've been a believer for 50 or 60 or 70 years, have you had an encounter with him today? Because you can. I remember there was a song, and I can't remember which song it was, but they, the, the, the writer of the song says, you know, I spoke to him today. I talked with him today. You and I have an, an encounter with him. Are you, do you not need him today? Are you like all set? I'm all set to, for today, Jesus. I'll come back. I'll get back to you when things get really bad. What about today? What about you and I? What about now? That's the question I want to leave you with. Are you Martha? Are you Mary? Are you Lazarus? Man, you need help. If you're Lazarus, you need help. <laughs> Big time help. We'll get to that. I think there's a little bit of Lazarus in every one of us. Right? Let's pray. Oh, Lord God, we thank you for your word. It's so quick, living, powerful, active. And it reaches into our hearts, Lord. But yet this simple message that you love us and you want to give us life. You want to save us. You're a prison-shaking Savior. And you want to save us. And you want to help us even in the day-to-day things that we face, even the very difficult things like death. Maybe someone close to you has died. Maybe some dream that you had has died. But he's here. He wants to let you know that he's the resurrection and the life. And he has life after death. He's got that down. He's got it in his hands. He takes care of it. He knows what to do. And he knows you and he knows me. Lord, we just, oh, we just come before you, Lord. You know our hearts. Just reach out to you right now, Lord. Cry out to you. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Maybe there's somebody here, one or two of you here, maybe more, that you have never surrendered to Jesus. You can ask him in. You want eternal life. You want hope. You want help. You can come to him right now and and pray with me right now and, and say, Jesus, I, I believe in you, that you died on the cross, that you were buried, that you rose from the dead. and I believe I'm a sinner, and I, I ask you to come into my heart and save me, forgive me, and give me eternal life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And let's all stand together, shall we?